Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. You are made as God's masterpiece. That you are God's masterpiece. That he made you specifically the way that you are. And that he did it on purpose. Yeah, for those of you who are out there who are introverts, God did it on purpose. For those of you who think you're really cool because you're an extrovert, that's me, God did it on purpose. That he's actually created you athletic or artistic, tall, short, however he made you to be, that he actually did it with a purpose in mind. And he actually looks at you today and would say that you are his masterpiece. So we're going to be coming out of the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn with me there. I'll be reading verses 4 through 10, a very well-known scripture. There's some scriptures in here that you'll find that many pastors have brought out and, and preached from. But I want to read this whole section of scripture because I believe it's really going to bless you and really going to, that we're going to center around all that the Apostle Paul is saying. Before we get into that, know this. Paul is talking to believers. Say, that's me. He's talking to believers. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to the church. And notice what he says. Ephesians 2, verse 4. He says, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us, here's good news, he seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. Come on. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So none of us can boast about it. And here's where we want to center the talk around verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. Another translation, I love what it says. For we are God's handiwork. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I want to title today's message, His Handiwork, Not Mine. Let's pray real quick. God, we thank you for this time. We ask that you speak to us. We open up our heart. We open up our mind. All that we are, we, we, we lay aside all thoughts of where we're going and what we have to do this week or this afternoon, and we focus on you. We set our, our sights on things above right now. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead and guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. Amen. Now, you need to be a little bit um, bold right here, and don't be afraid to brag on yourself because I'm going to ask you this question. How many of you are handy? Girls, guys, how many of you are handy? Raise your hand. Come on. I know there's more than that. How many of you are handy? All right. I just wanted to see all the people that I secretly dislike a lot. All right. Some people over here. Because here's the truth. I am not handy at all. I am the furthest from handy that you can get. Does anybody else struggle with the sin of not being handy in here? Anybody? I feel like if you're a man, that's a sin, right? Like, like it's not okay. It's so bad, y'all. If, if I were to be up here and I had a hammer and I picked it up, you would look at me and it'd be like, 
that just doesn't look right. <laughs> that guy is holding a tool, and he looks like a tool. All right, you know, it's like, what is, what is he doing? It's just, this is, this is awkward. He shouldn't be holding that. Like, that's how unhandy, is that a word, that I, that I am? Well, we recently, me and my wife, we moved into a new house. And if you've done that before, you realize there's a lot of handiwork that has to go into moving into the new house. You've got you've to hang new pictures. You've got to put in a new light fixture because your wife doesn't like the one that was already in there. Come on, somebody. And I'm like, okay. And, and, and so I'm immediately thrust into the weakest link that I have in my body. Like, it's just, I have to do all the weak things. So I'm putting up stuff. I'm putting on doorknobs and locks. It's, it's taken me like 40 years to do it. It's just forever. And I get done. I'm thinking, yes, all the handiwork is done. And then, and then you have a wife. <laughs> and so my wife comes to me. She's like, hey, I really want you to hang this mirror in the boy's room. And I'm like, I, I really don't want to talk to you right now. Um, she's like, oh, I think it'd be great. It would look great. Hang this mirror. I'm like, okay, which one? She's like, that one that's really extremely heavy. I'm like, of course. Of course, the heavy one. So I pick it up. I bring it in the boy's room. I go to put it on the wall. I'm like, hey, where do you want it? Right there. I'm like, sweet. Take the mirror, set it down. I turn around. My wife is gone. She has vanished. I'm like, okay, I get to do this by myself. I'm not handy. I'm by myself, and it's heavy. It's the perfect storm. Here we go. So I get, I get the, the mirror, and I, and I put it up, and I, I go to, to mark where I want it to be, you know, and what all you handy guy, people do, and you, and you mark it. And so I go to mark it. Well, it's so heavy that it slides down the wall. Well, when it slides down the wall, guess what happens? It scratches up the paint like crazy. I'm talking the, the, the wall is, is already just way worse than it ever was. I'm like, okay, it's all right. Calm down don't cuss. You're a pastor. Here we go. Put, it's okay. The mirror's going to cover it anyways. We're, we're okay. So I'm like talking to myself the whole time. I put it down. I do all my measurements. I, I put in the, the sheetrock screws and I put in the other screw and I have it. I get the mirror and I hang it on there. It, it hits all the right places. It's hanging. I'm like, yes. I step back and guess what? No, it doesn't fall. That would have been a better story, <laughs> but it's crooked. I'm like, are you, thank, thank you, aw. I'm like, seriously, it's crooked. I got it up there with just some scratches. Like we're, and so I'm like, great. So I take it down. Well, I notice it, the, the mirror is so heavy, it has bent the screws. So now I've got to take out the screws. And when I take out the screws, the sheetrock screws come out. Now there's two massive holes in my wall. Has anybody been here before? It's scraped up. Long story short, there is still no mirror on the wall. <laughs> I actually set fire to the whole room and walked out. No, that's what I thought about doing. No, you know what's actually there is a bunch of little pictures that my wife hung up just to cover up all the holes. And this, this is what happens. This is what happens every time I get my hands on something. The truth is, this is my handiwork. I tell you that story today because I think a lot of times we as Christians in our relationship with God, we look at our life and we see ourselves like we see that wall. That we're messed up, that we're scraped up that there's holes in our life, 
that, that, that we've done all this damage because of the things we've done in the past and the, because of the things that we continue to do, that, that our life is just, you know, we're, me- we're a mess up because we've messed up. We're a sinner because we've sinned. And we have these holes and, and all these things wrong. And the truth is this. Have you ever noticed that the more you try and fix yourself, the worse that it gets? The more you try and go at it, the more, and try, the more you try to fix all the wrong things, the worse that it gets. Much like my handiwork, all of our handiwork looks the same when it comes to our relationship with God. Here we are, and, and we're pursuing him. And I don't know if you've ever just had this conversation with him, but have you ever just said, God, why is it so hard? Why does it seem so hard to get this right? Why does it seem so hard to fix this area of my life? Why can't I get over that sin? Why am I still tempted the same way? Why did I have to go through that past? Why did I have to go through a divorce? Why did I have to to meet that person? Why did that person have to hurt me? Why, God? The truth is this. When we approach God and we approach ourselves with our handiwork in mind, It will always look that way. You see, the best that we can do is we can get some paint. We can get some other handy stuff that you use to cover holes. Don't know what it's called. (laughs) Spackling or something like that. That's how you say it in Texas. Get some of that spackling. Put it up on that wall. Cover up that hole. All right. And the best we can do is cover it up, but have you noticed that the paint doesn't ever match, that you can still see where the holes were? In other words, we still remember our mess up. But I've got good news for you today. God's handiwork is completely different. God says that you're a masterpiece. And the way that he works is he doesn't come in And he doesn't patch up the holes. He doesn't do a new paint job. He doesn't put up pictures or anything to to cover up the mess ups or anything. You know what God does? He comes in and he gives you a whole new house. He completely changes everything. God is not into the business of fixing things. He's into transformation. Where he transforms your whole being. When you accepted Jesus, when you came into relationship with him, you need to know this. You became a new creature. You became God's masterpiece. What does it say? Therefore, all who are in Christ, um, you have become a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. What did he say here in Ephesians 4.10? He says, we are God's masterpiece. We're his handiwork. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. You know what the word anew means? You look it up, it means from above. It means from a heavenly place or from God. He's literally created us from above. We've been created differently. I love what what Paul is doing in in Ephesians 2 is He's trying to get the body of Christ to realize who they really are. And I'm here today really to do the same as Paul, is to get you to realize who you really are. No matter, no matter how many times you've heard the message, no matter how many times you've been sitting here and you've heard, no matter how many times you've sang the reckless love of God, do you really believe he would climb up any mountain? That he would knock down any wall? 
that he would light up every shadow. And can I just tell you, <laughs> when you're singing those words, you're inviting God in to light up the areas you don't want lit up. But he wants to light them up. You want to know why? He's not afraid of them. He's not afraid of your mistake. He's not afraid of your past. He's not afraid of your fear. He's not afraid of your shame. The reason he wants to come in and light it up is to actually expel it. It's actually to remove it from your life. We, we hide things from God because we don't know who we are. We hide things from God because we think that that we are, that our life, that our identity is based on our handiwork. God, you don't need to see that. God, you don't need to know that. Oh, God, but did you know that I did that? Oh, God, did you know that I thought that? And God's like, yeah, I did. You're still my masterpiece. This isn't based on your works. It's not based on what you've done. It's all based on what Jesus did. And when he said it was finished, it was finished. Your identity was done right there done. Son, stamped it. Daughter, righteous, pure. He calls you holy. I don't know about you, that's a hard one for me. That he sees you as holy. That he sees you as perfect. Now, I love what Paul does in Ephesians. Is He's trying to get the body of Christ to realize this, but notice how he starts it out. Notice how he starts out verse 4. He said, but God is so rich in mercy. He's so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much. Notice that Paul is trying to get you to believe who you really are, and the first person he talks about is God. Come on, grab a hold of this. He said, God's rich in mercy, that, that, that his kindness and his goodness, that he has a wealth of grace for your life. And you want to know why Paul starts talking to us first about God? Is because we will never, we will never realize who we really are until we realize who he really is. You'll never see yourself the way you really are until you see God for who he really is. Because only a good God would make someone as wretched as me and you good. Only a good God, only a God full of mercy and grace and love would come and say, doesn't matter what you've done, you're perfect. Some of you have struggled with an identity, an identity message. Okay, God says it, but I don't know how to get it in here. Here's, here's your first step. You need to focus on God. You need to realize who he really is. You need to realize what he really did. You know, I... I grew up in sports, and um, th that was pretty much my whole life. And so by default, I grew up with a performance mentality. You see, in sports, you either perform or you don't play. If you perform good, you get to play. If you don't, you sit on the bench. In sports, everything that you do is evaluated. Every single practice, every single game, you know what I had to do? I had to go in the next day, I had to sit, and I had to watch film of myself. And I got to see every wrong step that I made, every interception that I threw. I already knew all the interceptions that I had thrown, and I had to watch it again. The donuts didn't make a difference. It still sucked. It was like, hey, just reliving it, all right? You know, and I just had to go back and, and see all the bad things that I've done. And so here I was 
in sports, and you know what the truth is, I still even struggle with it today, is I take that performance mentality over into my relationship with God. And when I lay my head on my pillow at night, I have thoughts of, oh my gosh, I've only read the Bible four out of the five days this week. I haven't prayed enough. I haven't worshiped enough. Although the last thing I did was watch the drummer at Renew Life. That was my last worship experience. I didn't listen to any K-Love in the car on the way to work. Anybody else like me? Anybody else go through their checklist at night or on Sunday morning as you're coming to church and you know God's about to be there? And I remember when it all changed for me. I was about 21 or 22 years old. I was in college. I began to receive this revelation that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that God has made me perfect, that I'm actually right in his sight, that I'm actually forgiven. And it was such a hard thing for me to, to get over into. But I remember one night, it was a, a college group, and, and we were in this building, and we had all the lights shut off. We had the music, worship music blaring. And I'm worshiping, I'm, I'm crying out to God, giving my life to him, just pouring it all out. I remember I got down on my knees, and I just began to say to him, say to myself is who I began to say it to. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God. And I began to shout it. And, and, and thank God the music was loud enough because I didn't freak anybody out beside me. But I began to shout it. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And then I remember God was like, stop saying in Christ. Just say I'm righteous. And I began to say I'm righteous. I'm righteous. I'm righteous. And after about 50 times, maybe 100, I finally realized, oh my gosh, I'm righteous. Oh my gosh, I'm perfect. I'm perfect in him. I'm completely forgiven in him. I don't have to perform for God. I'm holy. I am who he says I am. And after that day, my life changed forever. Because when I walked out that night, I knew for the first time who I really was. And it was only at that point in my Christian experience that my actions actually began to change. Notice that Paul he says that you've been created anew in Christ Jesus. Why? Why does he say that? Why does this matter? He says so you could go and do the good things that he planned for you long ago. It's so that you could go and do. You've, you've been created anew so that you can go and do. And you know what we do as Christians? We flip it. We want to do so that we'll be made new. We want to do so that we can say, oh, look, now I'm new. But the truth is, you will never have the right actions. You will never get over that temptation. You will never get over that sin until you realize who you really are. That's the step. You don't get it all right so that you can be that person. No, you are that person. You are righteous. And then all of a sudden, you'll notice righteous activity starts happening. Righteous works begin to happen in your life. Why? Because you stepped into your identity. A great example of this. Have you ever looked at your kid and used your last name and said, don't do that, you're a null? Anybody ever use their name like that? Like, hey, listen, nulls don't do that. 
No, if you broke your leg on the football field, somehow find a way to get to the sideline. Knowles, get up. Knowles, don't quit. Don't even think about crying on the football field. Knowles, don't cry. Y'all looking at me like I'm a horrible parent. You do the same thing. Come on. <laughs> Tell your kid to get his butt up and get to the sideline, all right? That'll help him. Is it broke? Good. Walk on it. <laughs> It'll get better as you get to the sideline. Got me preaching up here. Y'all watch out. But you're wanting your kid to act like who he is. You're wanting your kid to act like who he really is. God wants you to start acting like you really are. He wants you to act like who you really become. That when you face depression, you know you have the power over it. That when you come up against that obstacle in your life, you already know you have the victory. Why? Because victory lives in you. You've been made victory. You've been made the son. You've been made the daughter. You're not the son and daughter of some lowly thing. You're the son and daughter of the Most High God, the creator of the universe, the one who spoke things into existence. That's your God, and that's who you're in relationship with you. And he says he seated you in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. He told you that old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It's time we start believing in it. I'll close with this. So many Christians, they, they live their life opposite of the kingdom. You know, their, their, their experience is this. They meet judgment, then they receive salvation, and then they try, they try to stop doing all the wrong things. Can I tell you that the kingdom is completely opposite? You don't meet judgment. You meet Jesus. Then you give your life to him. You know what your next step is? Step into who he's called you to be. Step into your identity. Just step into it. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Don't care. Just step into it. Maybe you need a moment where you say, you're, you're on your knees. You're saying, I'm righteous. God, you've made me righteous. I'm the righteousness of God. Say it until you believe it. And watch how everything just works itself out. I was talking to Steve-O and Cody this week, and I love what they said. They said, we meet with people all the time, and you know what we tell them? You're doing a lot better than you think you are. So many believers are beat up. They beat themselves up, and you want to know why they're beat up? It's because they're seeing it the wrong way. The, the heart is right. They want to be right with God. They want, to, they want to do the right thing. Should you want that? Absolutely. Should you do the right thing? Absolutely. But your works, your good works are not the goal. Your good works are the fruit. Your good works are not the destination. Your good works are the result of getting to the destination. That destination being, I know who I am in him. If you bow your head and close your eyes. I think there's two groups of people in here today. The first group, some of you need to realize who you really are, that you're God's mas masterpiece, that it's his handiwork. It's this new revelation to you. You've never even heard this before, that you're righteous, that you're pure and holy and forgiven. You just need to accept that today. But then I believe the majority of you are in a different boat. 
And you need to receive this. You need to be okay with who he made you to be. You need to be okay with who he made you to be. You need to be okay with who he made you to be. Be okay with who he made you to be. Yeah, you're an introvert. God created you that way. Athletic or artistic, funny or awkward, big or small, tall or short, black, white, brown, quiet or energetic. Be okay with who he made you to be. Because he looks down and he says, they're my masterpiece. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to read Psalms 139 over you. I believe this is what the Lord wanted me to do. It's David, he's crying out to God. Let this be your cry. Let this be your prayer. Psalms 139. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel, when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you. Come on, tell him thank you today. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship, God, is marvelous how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. God, we thank you for who you made us to be. We accept it. We thank you for it. It's your handiwork, not ours. God, I thank you that we live in your grace today. That we all fall short of this glorious standard, yes, but your word says, yet God, in his grace, says that we are right in his sight. God, we're right in your sight today. And all we can say is thank you. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. 
Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.